right aditya i come to you with something that of course we spoke about uh, a lot on the day that it happened uh, and you cried and you were in mourning and you didn't eat lunch or dinner <laughs> and so much happened there and i had to console you uh, now of course i'm talking about nadal and only his third loss at roland garros um and uh, and it came at the hands of djokovic of course uh, just tell me a little bit about how that was for you yeah yeah so firstly uh, you know despite all the consoling uh, you still made me write an article that day so yeah thanks for that <laughs> but, but uh, yeah man um, you know absolutely ridiculous because as we know nadal had lost just twice at the french open before this one of them to djokovic but you know as i've said over and over again even in the articles you know the the, the first loss in 2009 was to robin sodling but he was also really suffering from foot blisters right it wasn't like it yeah. just wasn't bowling well with him and in 2015 he was completely out of form like just to put that in perspective in the clay swing leading up to the french that year in 2015 when he lost to djokovic in the quarters he had lost to djokovic in monte carlo he had lost to fabio fonini in barcelona he had lost to andy murray in madrid and he had lost to stan wawrinka in rome right so like yeah. no one really expected him to do much because it was the first time he really went into the french without winning any clay titles right mm-hmm. and in the fourth mm-hmm. he ended up dropping a set to jack sock so you know if an american is taking sets off uh, nadal at the french you know there's trouble it was pretty ominous right but this time there was none of that he was on a uh, you know four french open titles streak uh, 30 plus unbeaten games 30 plus matches in paris without dropping a set he dropped one set to diego schwartzman in the quarters and all hell broke loose like you know we were people like ruthwick and i were basically texting each other back and forth wondering if he's going to lose and like he promptly whipped uh, diego schwartzman six love in the in the in the in the next set in the fourth set so you know coming into that djokovic match he basically had like the craziest form and rafa in that form never loses and then he goes five love up in the in the in the semi final against uh, djokovic right in the first set mm. which was so so similar to the final last year where djokovic was bagled in the first set and you know what set off possibly his most one sided loss in a grand slam final for djokovic to fight back from there including you know um, as again you know th- that set that we've all spoken about so much now that that absolutely mesmeric third set yeah incredible but also as you began personally really really difficult to watch man and while while you were mourning all of that uh, ruthwick was celebrating something else uh, which is the rise of young italian men's tennis <laughs> um, we had a we had a few very very good performances here lorenzo musetti matteo berrettini Yannick Sinner um what's happening there Rudvi Yeah I think this has been on on uh, you know on the cusp for a while now Italians uh, you know these two teens who are there are are making waves and more so Sinner because he's already reached 1000 uh, final and he's yeah. he was actually the only one who kind of troubled uh, Rafael Nadal in the previous French Open uh, it's very similar to the Djokovic match where it kind of went into the night and nadal was kind of struggling for his rhythm sinner had set point in the first set and then kind of you know drifted away much like mosetti did against djokovic here clearly they have some work to do but but as their games have shown that they are 
uh, ones with you know great promise and berettini has obviously uh, risen quite uh, you know exponentially even even his match against jokovic uh, i mean i don't know if if you guys saw it it was late at night and jokovic had this loud scream right at the end of it you know it right. was probably a more uh, emotional celebration than any of his uh, victories at french open and he later said that it was a very intense match and he felt like he had to kind of mm. wriggle his way out of it so the italians have yeah have, have left quite a market at, at in paris and and uh, i guess they are here to stay for a while right and and of course this french open there's so much to talk about because we also saw uh, roger federer's return uh, after a very very long gap after rehabilitation from injuries uh, then he eventually pulled out but while he was there uh, aditya uh, what what was he looking like was was uh, i mean his clay is not his big uh, you know clay is not his surface he's only won the french open once um but but was was it great to see him back on the court just to see roger federer hitting a tennis ball again yeah absolutely man i mean i think you kind of nailed it there right it was just that was the main that was the main uh, you know uh, thing that people took away from his return over here but uh, yeah the that you know the old man can still dance man like you know he it's just it's just such great news to watch him um you know go into the the tiny little grass swing that there is now in uh, an atp calendar after go- like you know uh, the fact that like he didn't really lose a match over here he pulled out after his win against kopfer at night just there wasn't much news leading up to um this french open at least good news when it came to federer because you know he had last played at the Aussie Open in 2020 he was already looking old then like he struggled to kind of like you know put tennis angrin away to make it to the semi final where he was duly beaten by Djokovic uh this year he had lost to Nicolas uh, Basilashvili and Pablo Andohar coming into the French his only ever win in this year out of the three matches was against Dan Evans So no one really expected much but uh, again I go back to a Rutwick article where he said that the main thing is basically Federer coming into the French and playing on clay because like it's just invaluable court time right like and he got just that yeah. and you know in a year that he's turning 40 a year he's coming back from two knee surgeries uh, to put, to put away Denis Istomin the way he did in the first round and then that fabulous game against Marin Cilic followed by the Kopfer win the one that he did win yeah just great you know to 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 see him go into Wimbledon now a place where he lost that heartbreaking match against uh, Djokovic in 2019 that was the last Wimbledon played and that was the last match played in Wimbledon actually he's already playing in Halle i mean if that makes you happy uh, he you know he plays uh, Felix uh, Auger Aliassime today so yeah he's 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 tr- truly set up going into what is his favorite part of the calendar year oh it makes me very very happy uh, i mean and and like i said in the opening i'm not a big fan of this whole greatest of all time uh, discussion or even the term greatest of all yeah. time i mean uh, really sports is an emotional thing it's an emotional connect you can tell me okay that pele is the greatest footballer of all time but for me it will still be maradona <laughs> right you can tell me that ronaldo scores more goals than anybody else but i'll still um think messi is is my favorite so it's it's a uh, you know i mean okay it's it's a technicality in some ways and and clearly it looks to me like uh that you know the djokovic is going to overtake uh, both federer and nadal uh, just because age is on his side 
um, just because he's such an all-court player as well. Okay, of Absolutely. course, yes, he is, and um, and and he's going to overtake them and all and all of that. But it it doesn't mean that I'm I'm going to stop. Uh, you know, saying that Nadal is is the greatest of all time for me. You know, so th- what I'm trying to say is it's very personal. Yeah, I think uh, I think when you're kind of that- speaking for a lot of Roger and Rafa fans over there, right? Because I don't think in the end it's going to be numbers that stays with them because this man from Serbia is pretty much going to destroy all of that on the way. Right. But uh, right. yeah, I mean that emotional connect, that love, like it can never go. It can absolutely never go. Yeah, like like Goran Ivanisevic was the greatest of no time ever. But you remember him winning Wimbledon? <laughs> we all do. Yeah. Right? I mean, what could have been better than that? Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, some, some, sometimes the numbers just take emotions away from it. Um, but I'm, I'm digressing. Uh, let's let's talk about another new thing that happened um, at the French Open, which is the night sessions uh, in Paris. Uh, um, I, was that a nice idea? Was it, was it something you guys liked? Uh, Watching watching tennis at the French Open at night. Um, I, I I think it is a nice idea, but it probably could have been next year because clearly no fans at night makes it. You know, uh, it it kind of defeated the whole purpose of having night <laughs> sessions, which was to create an atmosphere. And yeah, hold completely on. Agree. Completely agree. Let me, let me let me just say something as somebody who loves Paris. Is that right. even if people are allowed in for night sessions? I find it very hard to believe that Parisians will actually go to watch a match instead of going to a restaurant to eat dinner over three hours with wine. <laughs> I mean, you, that, you that is a good point. <laughs> that is a good point, though. That's that's a good point. But but just the fact that you know people were not allowed, and and in that Djokovic Berrettini match, actually, you know, it had to be stopped, and yeah. then you know the entire court had to be vacated, much like what we saw in the Australian Open. So right. and and people were that Sitsipas Medvedev match was slotted for the night when everyone was like you know it should have been during the day with fans on court it it kind of robbed the sheen away from that match as well so it is a nice idea it's obviously they are trying to you know break away from the tradition and everything like that and and they want to obviously cater to new audiences but probably in these pandemic times with all the curfews and everything that they had uh, it it might have been a good idea to push it by year, but they had announced it last year itself, so it might have not been uh, possible. Luckily, they allowed Djokovic and Nadal that match at least to be carried on with France because if that would have been emptied and and it would have been just a massive, massive anticlimax. Yeah, but of course that then that defeats the purpose of the protocols in place, right? So it was a bit of an odd decision to take. Uh, I mean, so, if, if you are going to allow people in because of the how cool the match is going to be, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, that, <laughs> that's true. That can't really be the reason. But yeah, so you know, Djokovic Nadal, that incredible um, semi-final. But leading up to the semi-final, Aditya, did Djokovic look like he was going to be able to beat Nadal? Uh, leading up to the semi-final, Rudra Djokovic looked like he looks like in every single Grand Slam, which is you know he's giving a lot of these. Uh, lower rank guys hope uh, by giving them a set or two over here or there. I mean, there's a, there's a real honest feeling amongst uh, Rafa and Roger fans that Djokovic might kind of be doing this on purpose to test himself before he plays some of the big guys. And uh, there's enough data to back it. Because, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's no one really making Djokovic feel like um, he's warming up properly for the second week of a slam. Uh, 
apart from the guys at the very top, right? And he meets none of them in the first week. In fact, the 2015 was, uh, the, the 2015 US Open, I asked him something very similar after uh, he allowed, and I would really say allowed, uh, Roberto Batista good to stretch him to, um, I think it was a crazy four-setter. And I asked him if it's just, if it's better, uh, you know, to kind of get these matches out of the way at this point uh, rather than the, the following Sunday. And he was like, you know, who wants to get over it? Because these are the same matches that you're playing later in the week as well, right? Like, so it's just mm. lovely if the test begins early. And I think that's pretty much what he's doing, right? Like he took a Grand Slam debutante in Lorenzo like, Mosetti, went down two sets yeah. to love, changed his clothes and then whipped him. Whipped him, I mean, as in like really whipped him, right? Like I think Musetti won one game in the next three and pulled out uh, halfway through the fifth because like there was just absolutely no point playing. And as Ruthwick just brought uh, the quarterfinal game up, like that was also just like, you know, such such a great talking point when it comes to Djokovic and trying to pump himself up for the big moments. Um had the first two sets, like completely lost momentum in the third. And again, I'm putting lost momentum in quotes. And yeah. in the fourth, when Berrettini looked like he was going to push it into a fifth, it was all but done. You know, he just, he, there's something about him, man, like the beast in him that the kind of needs those points, like those clutch points where he plays yeah. some of his toughest tennis before going and playing someone like Nadal in the semifinal, where he knows that he's ready, like. And yeah, of course, as Ruthwick said, you know, that like he, he looked like he was going to like fling his racket at a box where his wife was seated. And like yeah. in a completely yeah. empty stadium, he started like pounding his chest and started screaming Sarbija. It was, it was all a bit, uh, you know, like bordering on lunacy. But yeah, that's Djokovic. So yeah, it was just absolutely typical if you ask me leading up to that Nadal match. Nothing typical from there on. Right, but uh, I mean, and, and and this could be a strategy. Why not? Uh, yeah, because if you if you are if you are ice cold uh, mentally, and if you if you have a lot of belief in yourself, you could allow yourself. I mean, just to maybe even even just to give yourself a break, you might want to lose a, a few games here and there um, because you know that you're going to pick it up, or you could lure your opponent to, into believing something and then completely shatter that belief, like yeah. Mama Dali did with Ropa Dope, right? Both, so, yeah, the Ropa Dope. Yep. So. Yeah, uh, in I fact, in the final, of, in the so final against Sitsipas, the moment he went two sets down, there was a friend of mine who sent me just those three words: "rope or dope." And exactly, <laughs> and I was like, "Man." Anyway, anyway, yeah. <laughs> so should we should we just ignore that semi-final loss right now and not talk about it, just so that we don't feel all collectively really sad about what happened, and you know, and and just go on to the final and talk about that? What do you think? I think that's a good I think idea. That's man. a very good idea. Wholeheartedly <laughs> support that. <laughs> so yeah, we, we all watched the final. What was it? What was for you, Aditya? What was the what was the big thing in the final? And I love Sitsipas, by the way. I think he's a he's fantastic. Uh, and he's he's going to really be um and he already is, and it's just going to more you know grow uh, stronger and stronger with each slam. He's going to be the big contender along with Djokovic. Yeah, agree. I mean, uh, although, okay, wait, you know what? I will, I, let me just focus on Sitsipas here because you brought him up. I just have a feeling that, you know, this, this, this particular generation, um, 25 and below, right? Uh, let's not count Dominic Thiem as being a part of this generation. He's, he's, he's 
properly in between the two. He's been around for a long time now, and he's pulled off a slam yeah. in the U.S. Open, and he also pulled off a slam uh, very importantly against a guy from this very generation in Zverev. Right? Zverev was two sets mm-hmm. up, just like Sitsipas was in this match. But Zverev was also a breakup in the third, if I'm not mistaken, and 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 team turned it around from there. So this generation, you know, uh, these two matches, the Zverev game and the Sitsipas game, are quite emblematic of the problems faced by these kids, right? Like they're making all the right moves, they're making Slam finals, they're all winning London Masters uh, now, the Turin Masters, basically the year ending, the 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 year ender. Uh, they've all yeah. won them. Medvedev has won it. Zverev has won it. Uh, Sitsipas has won it. And they're making all the right moves in the slams too, in the masters too. But it's just that, you know, when it comes to um, closing the the deal, they're not able to do it yeah. because, and I'm sure we'll come to this uh, by the end of our podcast, is is really because these three maniacs are still around, right? In in Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer, and they're just refusing to give up. I I, I promise you, if it was forty year old Roger Federer in the final of a Slam that he's known not to like too much against Sitsipas, and if he was two sets down, I would still back him to do the rope a how hard is it to close the deal against somebody like Djokovic? I mean, just very, talk about the final. And... Yeah, I mean, talking about the final, you know, and very interesting what uh, Aditya said before about Djokovic and his love for testing himself. Interestingly, after Musetti, he said, you know, I like playing five setters against these young guys. And he very specifically said against these young guys. Even in the final, you saw his body language. There were no panic buttons, nothing. He just went off the court, came back. Recharged and yeah, let's do Djokovic things again. So, I mean, it it kind of he kind of gave indications about it after the Musetti game that five setters I loved because these young guys are still not quite there yet, and he was confident about it because he knows what it takes to beat them across five sets. So, which is why there was no indication or no body language or nothing about his game that said, "Oh, I might lose this." Nothing at all. Perfectly summed up. Right. Perfectly. Another does this mean this calendar uh, year all the slams are his uh, and maybe even the Olympic gold? Sheesh, great and scary things exactly like the things that you just mentioned, right? Like, you know what? Just like, let's go back about 15 years, right? For him to start winning slams in an era where Nadal and Federer didn't really leave much for others to win is is quite incredible by itself right but now 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 just like fast forward those 15 years come to today for him to win and be on 19 grand slams and put himself within one of those other two i mean like you know it just kind of tells you why this is the greatest era in any sport like in absolutely any sport not just tennis right according to me at least mm-hmm. and what's really scary is like you know he had already mastered beating um Federer on grass. He, you know, he's beaten, beaten him in three Wimbledon finals. But now he knows how to beat uh, an informed Nadal, Nadal on clay. clay right? Yeah, yeah. There is yeah. no limit after something like that, man. I mean, like, forget just winning all four slams this year. It also happens to be a golden slam year. You know, if he does yeah. it, then he'll be doing what uh, Graf did in 1988 in the year of the Seoul Olympics. But I think like way more than that, like I think what 
it really scares tennis fans like uh, all of us uh, is i don't know just how far he's going to push that all time record right like he's got 19 yeah. these two guys are 20 he's 6 years younger than than roger he's a year younger than a very tired nadal um, you know physically beaten yeah. nadal i mean not just because of right. this year nadal who's been beaten up over many many years through injury and like just how physical his game is right i can yes. see djokovic going on for another 6 years can't you guys well i mean even if he goes even if he goes at peak performance for the next 3 years or maybe conservatively let's say 3 years right i yeah. mean that's still going to stretch the record by a mile oh yeah great and scary yeah. things like we said great and scary things right Yep. Right. Yep. And, and 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 if I may add, what sets Djokovic apart for me from these two is that he does not shy away from stating that he wants to go for it. You know, you hear Nadal and Djokovic and Nadal and Federer saying, "Oh yeah, they are just numbers, twenty, twenty-one, whatever, all-time great." But Djokovic, like, I want it. I mean, even after right. the French Open, he said, "Everything is possible. Golden Slam, why not? Calendar Slam, why not?" And he wants that so he's he's he publicly is very clear about what he wants and that is to break all records yeah yeah this he, he he's really the ivan drago of tennis man that's the only way i can i can sum this up you know i mean perfectly summed up prithvik but i i fear him the way i feared ivan drago when i first watched uh what is one of our favorite movies rudra i mean we've already established this in one of the earlier podcasts but this for me is is he he's the way embodiment of the real ivan drago right on that note uh, breaking all records the, <laughs> the ivan drago of tennis thank you so much rudvik thank you aditya <laughs> for joining me and um, thank you all your all the listeners uh, and uh, we'll catch you in the next episode thanks thanks rudra thank you thank you this was an episode of a view from the stands do like and follow us on at ht smartcast on facebook instagram and twitter or write to us on podcasts at hindustantimes.com you can listen to more podcasts by logging on to htsmartcast.com this was a hindustan times production brought to you by ht smartcast ht smartcast